Um, let's see, I'm going to open up my iPad and read it from my iPad here because we've got different translations. So uh, in John uh, 14, uh, yeah, John chapter 14, it says in, in verse 27, this is Jesus, you know, still on the earth here. And he says, peace I live, leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And um, uh, I'm going to read this same verse in a couple different translations there. One translation says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't fragile like the peace the world gives, so don't be troubled or afraid. Another translation says, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. And the last one says, peace I live with you, my own peace I now give and bequeath to you, not as the world gives do I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Um, and so, you know, the, the thing that I like about this verse, and if, if you'll change your mindset when you read the Word of God, because this is the way that I read the Word of God. When he says, peace I live with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, uh, and neither let it be afraid. Especially those last two parts of the verse, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So if he said that the, 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 the uh, for me to not let my heart be troubled. So whose choice is it then? It's my choice, right? So that's a good that's good news, right? If it's my choice, then I can have a troubled heart, or I can have a heart that's not troubled. You know, um, the world and much of the church says, "Well, you can't help it." You know, there's just all these things going on. But Jesus literally says, "Let not you let not your heart be troubled." It's up to you that you can choose to allow your heart to be troubled, or you can choose not to allow your heart to be troubled. He said, "Neither let it be afraid." Uh, and so, uh, you know, if you'll read the, the word of God this way, when he says these things, when say I have confidence that if he says it this way, then I have the ability to do exactly what he says. Because some people read that and say, you can't do that. And as soon as they say that, they just throw the verse right out the window. It just that verse no longer applies to their life because they said you can't do that. When I read the verse, I, I think I can do that. Even if I'm not doing it, I can read it and say I can do it. Uh, and so uh, I can't tell you how many times in my life where, you know, the, the life happens, right? Anybody ever, anybody live in this life? Uh, anybody not live in this life? You know, well, I'm not here. <laughs> if you're not here, raise your hand, right? Uh, and so, uh, so many times in life, just things happen, right? Life happens, events happen, and, uh, and then all of that trouble, all of that, uh, you know, starts to kind of weigh on you. You ever felt weighted upon all this life? And I'll, I will catch myself. And I will say, I choose to not live this way. I am not living this way. And, of course, the Bible says, cast all your cares upon him. Uh, but before I even do that, I always repent. For me personally, I always, Lord, you know, uh, I apologize for allowing this because he said, let, let your tr heart be troubled. So if my heart is troubled, who allowed it? I did, right? So I always repent. I always say, Lord, I allowed my heart to be troubled. I ask you to forgive me for, for you know, violating your words, you know. And it's not that he's against me or anything, but I, I did this, right? This wasn't him. He, did he put these troubles on me? You know, people say, well, God won't put on you anything more than you can bear. Anybody ever heard that one? You know, it's literally not in the Bible. That's just made-up doctrine. It's, that's no, there's nowhere in the Bible that says that, right? And the closest thing you can get to is in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, where it says he will not allow you to be, uh, to, for the devil to put more on you than you can bear. Amen? Uh, and so, so it's, uh, the nice thing is this is my choice, right? I get to choose to live this way. And, and when, when I see this brings such joy to my life because so much freedom when I, when I see these verses like this, that says, neither let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So that's 100% my choice. Uh, is that true? I mean, are, am I making up any doctrine here? Am I saying things that aren't true? That's 100%. If Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, who gets 100% choose to live that way or not? You get to choose to live that way. Amen. Uh, Jerry, that's good news, isn't it, right? <laughs> I always give my friend Jerry a hard time because we, we heard these same things together, right? Uh, and, and, and the first time I heard my pastor say things like this, I thought, that's the best thing ever I've ever heard. Jer first time Jerry heard it, that's the worst thing. Can't be true. No, I'm not going to live that way. Uh, and so a little more rebellion rose up in his heart. Your joy rose up in my heart because I think I've got a way out. I've got a because, you know, I live this way, right? I live, my heart be troubled and, you know, you get, you get the... You get the mully grubs and all these things, and 
and so, you know, you, all this stuff comes upon you, and you, and you just got to, you know, sometimes you just had to suffer with it until it just kind of uh, evaporated out of your life. You know, these things usually would go, go away after a while. Uh, but I would catch myself and say, Lord, I ask you to forgive me for allowing myself to be troubled, for allowing myself to live uh, with, uh, with whatever the life is, right? Is there, any, is there any loophole in this verse? Does it say, let not your heart be troubled, unless it's, you know, finances, unless it's your children, unless it's your marriage, unless it's your job. Any loopholes? See, that's what I love about the word. There's no loopholes. It's like, uh, don't be troubled. Well, if it's a really big thing, it's okay. But, you know, little things, don't let, don't let them, little things bother you. But if it's a big thing, it's okay for big things to bother you. Is it okay for big things to bother you? You can live a life where your heart's never troubled. Wouldn't that be nice to live that way? What about, you know, when, when the job goes wrong? You know, what about if you, you smash your finger, you know, whatever? And, uh, I mean, uh, things happen, right? Yeah, but if things happen, I've got a way out. Won't he deliver me for these things, right? Uh, and so uh, I just, uh, Jesus said he, le- he, leave, uh, he left his peace, his peace with me. You think Jesus ever lived in peace? You think about what he dealt with. You know, the very creator of the world, they wanted to kill him all the time. The one who walked in more love than anybody ever walked in on the earth and loved everybody around him. Even the, the Pharisees and the terrible people walked in more love and they accused him of more evil things than anybody else. You ever been accused of things unjustly? You ever been accused of things you didn't do? You know, I've, I've, I've been accused of so many. There's things that, um, of course, my wife knows about them. There's things I'll go to the grave and not even tell you from the pulpit that I've been accused of because, I, you know, I'm not sure if anybody could handle the grace of, you know, me telling you, you know, Jerry knows a lot of them because he was there for a lot of the things. Now, he didn't accuse me of a lot of things, but he saw a lot of the things. And he's shaking his head. He's like, oh, it's the craziest thing in the world, you know. Uh, and so, you know, the weight of being accused of something. One of the worst things is ever to be accused of something you didn't do, uh, and um, especially if you know your heart was not to do, was, you know, you're aware of that particular thing. You know, one time I was accused of, uh, they said, every time you talk to, to people, you always talk above their, above their head. Try to make yourself so intellectual. And, I, and I'm thinking, now, you know, I've got a lot of education, but I, that's one area I've, I've always really tried hard to not do that on purpose except for my kids, right? Because my kids, they ask a lot of questions. And if they ask too many questions, then I start going into, well, you know, you've got strong nuclear forces and you've got weak nuclear forces and sometimes, you know, and, and then it just goes right over the head or, and, and then they stop asking questions, right? So that's okay, right? That's fair game if, it, if, it, if it's for that reason, you know. But, but to, to, you know, because some people like to talk and to show you how intelligent they are by the words they use and the things. And, and I'm really, I'm really self-aware of that and I try my best not to do that, right? Not that I've never done that, but... And, and, and so, you know, I said, well, I kind of turned it back on them in that regard. I said, well, well, I don't know that I've ever done that. So, you know, I'd ask you for your kindness to help me. If I do that again, please let me know. Uh, and, you know, I don't know how many years passed, and they, they left the earth, and it never happened. You know, they never came to me and said, because it never was going on anyway, because I wasn't doing it. So, is that a weight? Is that something that, uh, you know, that uh, I could be troubled by, that people are thinking that this thing about me, that I'm always trying to do this? Well, sure it is, right? Uh, and, and so uh, let not your heart be troubled. I get to choose if my heart is troubled. I get to choose if my heart is not troubled. That's, to me, that's, that's good news, amen? Now, that is good news because I am not a victim. And, and so much of they're, they're victims of life. Life, life happens, right? What if you don't want it to happen? It's still going to happen. What if, what if you do want it to happen? It's still going to happen. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. Life happens, amen? Uh, and you get to choose by faith uh, whether, you, whether you're troubled or not. So, Lord, I ask you to forgive me for, allowing, for me allowing my heart to be troubled. And so then I cast that care upon you. you know, in fact, I think we were talking about this one Wednesday night. I said this from the pulpit. I never said that before. I hadn't really thought about it. I said, you know, it's really selfish when you keep your troubles to yourself. Because the Lord said, I want them. You know, give them to me. No, I'm going to hang on to them. Well, that's selfish, right? Hey, can I have something from you? No. That's selfish, right? Uh, you know, uh, we, we won't name any names, but I remember when my, we were on vacation one time, and I guess, the, I think it was Paige. She was like, what, two? Like, uh, about two years old. And one of the adults were on the trip, and they were eating potato chips. Now, she was, she was two. And she said, can I have one? And they said, no. Now, can you imagine an adult, an adult human being 
telling a two-year-old, no, you can't have a potato, a potato chip, right? It wasn't like, can I have your 401k or your retirement program, you know, or can I have your car, your dog? A potato chip, right? No. Well, what is that? Well, that's selfish, right? When someone asks for something that's fair, you know, and you say no, well, what happens when the Lord says, give me all your cares, cast all your cares upon me? And we say, no, I'm going to hang on to them. But that's selfish, right? So you want to be selfish to carry all your cares? I mean, not my problem, right? You know, but, uh, uh, but wouldn't this be a nice way to live? Well, we have the, not just peace, but the peace that Jesus gives, right? Not as the world gives, right? Give I you, but my peace. That's pretty good, right? I mean, this is one of my favorite verses, and I can live in peace all, uh, all the time, every day, right? And the d- best definition I like for peace is free from the ravages of war, right? There's war going on outside every day, not just not, not with guns and, and explosions, but just war of emotions and wars of thoughts and wars of, of sickness and disease and war of poverty and lack and war. And Jesus said, I can be free from all of it. I choose, let not your heart be troubled. I choose to allow my heart to be troubled or choose to allow my heart to be free. Amen. That's a great choice. I, I love that choice. Amen. And so praise God. So I just want to encourage you with that. That's a, uh, I made myself happy this morning. You know, we can all just, we, we, let's receive an offer and go home. You want to? And so uh, now we'll, we'll uh, go on. So let's stand and greet yourself for just a minute. and We'll get into praise and worship. Father, you gave us our minds. How can we not use our minds to think on you? Father, in our spirits, Lord, you said that you desire people to worship you in spirit and in truth. How can we not worship you in our spirits, feet, Father. You gave us the very feet that we walk upon. How can we not use these feet to walk your paths, Father? You've given us all things, Lord. Our very existence, the fact that we know that we exist, Father, that ability to know and understand the things around us. How can we not use that mental capacity, Father, to worship you? You alone are worthy to be worshipped, Father. You alone are worthy to be praised. All that we have, Father, belongs to you. We choose to give it to you, Father. Father, we desire to be vessels of honor. Meet for the Master's use, Father. Use us as you see fit. Whatever capacity, Father. All that we have, Father. All that we are belongs to you. We choose, Father, to yield it to you. Father, you gave us the very ability to choose. So, Father, we choose you. We choose to follow you, Father. We could choose not to follow you, Lord. But we choose to follow you. So, Father, we thank you. All that we are, Father, belongs to you. All that we have, Father, is available to you. Father, we, uh, just like you withheld nothing from us, we withhold nothing from you. You've given us all things richly to enjoy. Thank you, Father. It's such a small price, Father, for us to give to you all that we are, all that we have, Father. And Father, you said, think on these things. We will think about your goodness and mercy. We will think about your kindness and grace, Father. We will think about your blessings and increase. We thank you for the gifts of the Spirit of manifestation and operation. Thank you, Father. We think on the things of your word, Father. You said your peace you gave unto us. So, Father, we'll think thoughts of peace. And, Father, you compared your peace that you give with the peace that the world gives. The peace of the world comes with conditions. Father, strings attached. Your peace comes with no conditions. It's pure, Father, and gracious. And so, Father, we thank you for that. Thank you for giving us your peace. Thank you that we can walk in your peace each and every day, Father. There's no, there's no conflict in the world, Father, greater than the peace of God. There's no conflict that people try to bring into our lives, Father, that's greater than your peace. There's no war, Father, that's greater than your peace. Your peace is capable of withstanding all ravages of war. In fact, you said in your word, Father, that the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds. Father, it stands garrison, it stands watch in front of our lives between us and 
and all the war going on the outside of us. Peace is between us and that war. And there's nothing, Father. There's no conflict in the world greater than your peace that can overcome your peace, that can tear down your peace. We choose to live in that peace, Father. Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness and mercy. We give you all the praise and honor for these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, is there anything that the Lord has given to us that's, that's not uh, worthy for us to give to Him and to allow Him to use on His behalf? You know, I don't know of anything, amen? You know, there's really nothing that's, uh, that we have, amen? I tell the Lord on a, on a regular basis, all that I have belongs to Him. Nothing I have that, uh, you know, if, if He needs to use it on this earth, you know, Jesus had given, shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. Well, sometimes you're the man that needs to give to somebody else. Amen? Uh, and, and so he may ask us to give to somebody else. And if we tell him no, you know, it might be a thousand years before he ever asks you again, right? <laughs> I mean, it, uh, it could be a long time. Amen? So I want to make sure I never, when the Lord asks of me, you know, the answer is just, it's an automatic yes. It's not, well, let me get back to you and think about it, amen. Uh, we'll consider the options, and if I feel like it, you know, I'll get around to doing that, Lord. Uh, that uh, was not bode well for your um, relationship with the Lord, amen. You still go to heaven, but um, <clears throat> I don't know for sure, but I imagine there's going to be remedial class in heaven, you know. You know, remedial class is when you're older than you should be, you know, in a particular class, and you're not where you ought to be, so they sent you back to, to pick up some basics, Amen. Uh, we know some adults that need to go to remedial class, right? Uh, things you learned in kindergarten that you don't do today, right? If the light was on when you came in the room, how it should be when you leave the room? Well, leave it on, you know, that's the way I see it, you know. If the door was open when you went in, well, when you leave, leave the door open, amen? Uh, sometimes people think, well, I'm going to do this for them. Well, maybe there was a reason it was on, amen? I, don't, I try not to second-guess people, and so I might ask them, hey, you want the light on or off? But um, anyways, a lot of things we should have learned in kindergarten that uh, I think there's going to be some remedial classes in there. And, um, and you've got to be careful because um, uh, I might be your remedial teacher, right? <laughs> if you didn't learn it here, well, you know, Pastor Trip, you go, you go t teach them for another thousand years, maybe they'll get it, you know. Uh, and so who knows, right? Uh, you may be my teacher, I don't know. It's a, the Lord's the head of the church, he can do whatever he wants to, amen? Uh, well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 5. We'll continue there today. We've been teaching on the uh, Sermon on the Mount. And, um, you know, I've really, uh, I mean, uh, uh, I can't speak for you, of course, uh, you're you, right? But I have enjoyed teaching this because uh, it's amazing how many topics the Lord Jesus covered in this one dissertation uh, to these thousands of people here that he's speaking to. Uh, and, uh, you know, and he's did this over many days. So, you know, these are not, I mean, you could just read these three chapters in a few minutes, right? So, you know, that he was expounding a lot of, a lot of these things. And the writers just gave us the, the uh, kind of the headline information and that we have to do our part to study and to, to uh, glean what he's trying to, to get to us in these verses. Amen. And so we got down here to, uh, uh, to verse 21. Um, uh, and 21, he's, he's starting to, to do some things to show us that there's a change coming. Amen. It's time for a change. And he says in, uh, that you have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, so now he's saying, look, uh, that's what the Old Covenant says. That's still valid, right? Uh, is it okay to kill now, even though the Old Testament has been fulfilled? No, it's not okay to kill. But he's saying, but I say unto you that uh, whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. So uh, <clears throat> he's making a transition. Now, they didn't really have this ability until after the cross to be able to live this way. But he's starting to give them some hints that, look, some things are changing. Some things are coming on that's... Uh, you couldn't do in the Old Testament. You didn't have the ability to do that. But the problem with the, with the law, and people still love the law. Anybody love the law? I want to just be told what to do. <clears throat> and be, because a lot of times what we want is we want a law so we have a loophole. And, the, and this was the case right here, right? So uh, don't kill. Uh, so, that, so that means I can treat them like dirt. It's okay as long as I don't kill them. I can take a leg out. I can break an arm. I can say bad things about them. I can be mad at them forever. That's okay. Well, Lord, I didn't kill him. See, what are we doing? We're looking for a loophole. Lord, I didn't kill him. Well, how long were you angry with him? Well, I've never not been angry. I've been with anger for 30 years. You ever known somebody angry with somebody for 30 years, right? 50 years? 
Well, how long have you been mad at him? I don't know a time I wasn't mad at him. I've been mad at him since before I was alive, right? I was mad at him when I was in the womb. You know, and, 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 you know, I had, I had somebody that, uh, uh, they were an adult, right? And they said they had all these, all these emotional problems and, you know, lots of things, lots of difficult uh, emotional issues. And, and they said a prophet came to town and laid hands on them and said, the reason why you've got emotional problems is because you had a difficult birthing. And when you came out of your mother's womb, it was a difficult, uh, difficult birthing. And that caused all these emotional problems in you. And, and you know, sometimes I say things I don't really think about. It. I said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You're an adult. You get to choose, right? Didn't we just read that this morning? Let your heart, not your heart be troubled. Don't you get to choose? I said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever... They didn't talk to me for about a year after that. Uh, but the, it, it, and it actually was about two years after that they called me and said, you know, you're right. Well, I was right two years ago, right? Uh, you know, in your mother's womb, you had a difficult... Therefore, you got emotional problems as an adult. You know, we, we live so much by the psychology of the world sometimes we forget that the Bible exists. Amen. If Jesus had let, let not your heart be troubled, then what does that mean? That means you have a capacity, you have a the right and a privilege to not ever let your heart be troubled. Unless Jesus, well, you know, is there a loophole? Unless you had a difficult childbirth. Well, then it's okay, right? Is there a loophole in that? See, I, I love the Word of God because it's so, it's so clear and precise. Let not your heart be troubled. Period. End of discussion. Well, what about this? That's covered. What about that? It's covered. What about my difficult childbirth? Which is just made up anyway, but that's covered anyway. Even if that was so, it's covered. Amen? I know another... Another uh, fellow one time, he was a grown man. He said, you know, I'm, I can never be successful because the way my single mother raised me. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I, you know, I was raised by a pack of wolves, it seemed like, you know, and, and I, I survived, amen? And, and people think, well, you ain't got no problems. Well, you know, just go through my raising and see how many problems you've got, right? You know, I had an, uh, I mean, people deal with things. You know, I had an alcoholic mother. As long as I remember, she was an alcoholic, right? She was like a weekend alcoholic. Uh, like every week she'd go to the grocery store, she'd come back. <clears throat> she, she'd been drinking, you know, and she shouldn't have been driving. It's amazing she never got a DUI. But uh, nearly every weekend she was drunk. And, and, and I remember, you know, six, seven years old, she would throw herself down the, down the cellar stairs to kill herself, right? She'd be blood all over the, you know, uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, EMTs would come and, and t- try to take care of her. And, you know, a child ought not see their mother try to kill himself, right? Uh, and... Uh, I'm still fine, right? My heart's not troubled because I get to choose, amen? Uh, and so, so Jesus is making a transition here. Uh, the, the thing that we've got to be careful about in, in this loophole about, well, Lord, I didn't kill him. See, that's a loophole. But how did you treat him, right? Uh, and, and the thing that the, many years ago, the Lord started dealing with me personally about the way that I live, about excuses. Uh, and it's one of the greatest things I've ever learned, but it's one of the hardest things that I've ever had to train myself to live by. Because uh, so oftentimes we, we want to use the excuse, well, Lord, I didn't kill them to be free from the guilt of treating them poorly all of our life. Well, okay, you didn't kill them, but were you angry with them for, for decades? Well, Lord, I don't want to talk about that. We're going to talk about it. Is he the Lord? If he says we're going to talk about it, what's he going to talk about it? He's going to, he's going to talk about it, right? And so uh, if you go through the scriptures, uh, just everywhere that was somebody tried to use an excuse with the Lord, did it ever, did it ever go over with him? Did anybody ever say, Lord, you know, I can't do that because of this reason, right? Remember the, the talents, you know, we just use that one example in, in Matthew 24. Uh, the one guy was given the one talent and he went and hid it. He said, Lord, you're, you're a hard man. I was afraid. Lord would go, you're right. I'm sorry. Just forget, forget I ever gave you anything to do. Uh, just go on. No, didn't uh, he? said, you're a wicked servant, right? Uh, wicked means to be twisted. And so what the Lord is doing here in all of these transitions, he's removing our excuses. You know, you can't just tr- be mad at somebody for years and it's okay. It's not okay. Is it, does the Lord say it's okay? He said, uh, he said it's not okay because, you see, if you're angry without cause, and, and we'll talk a little bit about the cause there, uh, but then he goes and uh, talks about the judgment. And he talks about three levels of judgment here. And really, uh, these three levels of judgment are, are natural judgment that people in, in Israel were going through. So the judgment here... Uh, was there was a, a local group there. There was a local, you know, like a local judge or uh, uh, I don't know what they were particularly called, but you would go before them for small things and, and he would ju- decide, okay, you know, uh, you're wrong and so here's whatever the punishment that you get. And then he talks about um, uh, different levels here, uh, it, it, but he goes on and, and talks about um, in verse 22, whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka shall be in danger of the council. So the council then was, a, was another level 
uh, it was this, it was called the Sanhedrin. There were 72 people in the Sanhedrin, and it was kind of like the Supreme Court uh, of Israel. Uh, and so, you know, you went to your local council if you did certain things wrong. You went to the Sanhedrin if you did bigger things wrong, right, if you kept on going. Uh, and the word uh, raka uh, is a, a real um, unkind word, right, to say to people. Uh, and um, uh, in fact, when I was studying about this, it said it's really, it's really a hard word to, to translate because it's really more about the tone and the attitude about what you're calling somebody. So it's not so much, I mean, it means to be, to call somebody brainless, idiot, silly fool, empty-headed blunderer, you know, and I'm thinking, I think I've probably called people all of these things, right? Uh, and, um, but the attitude is there's one of contempt. And, and, and that's really the issue as much as anything is the tone and the attitude about how we deal with people. You know, if somebody's doing something foolish, you can say, well, that's foolish, right? Uh, and I don't have a problem with, with, you know, just, you know, saying what it is, right? But a lot of times we, we add to that our tone as if we're better than somebody else. And, and that's really the issue is the, the tone of, of disdain and contempt, arrogance, you know, I'm better than you. Uh, you know, there's no place for that in the body of Christ. Uh, and the, the, thing, the thing that, uh, you know, all the time the Lord's dealing with me is every human being is, is created in the image and, uh, and likeness of God. When they came into the earth, they were created in the image and likeness of God. Now, are they acting like God right now? Are all the people acting like the Lord right now? No, they're crazy, right? They, they, these crazy things. Uh, and, uh, and some of them are just nasty people, right? Some of them are unkind people. Some of them are people that probably need to be removed from the earth because uh, they're, they're a danger to the rest of the world. Uh, and that's another whole discussion. The, the thing that we have to guard our own hearts is what's our tone, what's our attitude towards other human beings? Uh, what, you know, do we look down and like, you know, who are you? You're nasty, right? You know, if they smell bad or they, you know, uh, I mean, I've been to different places around the world and in some countries, it, I'm pretty sure it's illegal to own deodorant. You know, just you go there and it's like, does anybody own any deodorant in this entire country, right? Uh, and it's like, you know, nobody does. You know, we're not going to name the country because we don't want the entire country to get mad at us, right? Uh, but I've been to certain countries and just, I mean, wow, just, you know, and, and then you go to those countries and they don't have air conditioning, right? And they just, you know, let it fly, right? Just, you know, sweating and, and, and smelling bad the whole time. And, well, you know, uh, you, know uh, you could look down upon them. And we would travel, go to certain countries, and, and because we were Americans, you know, they would look down on us simply because we're Americans, right? Uh, and, uh, well, that's disdain, right? That's, and there's no place for that in the church. There's never a place for the church to have any kind of disdain or contempt for another human being. You know, that doesn't mean that we can't uh, tell somebody that's not right. You know, but the, the thing that we have to guard in our hearts is, do we think we're better than them? Do we think that we're more worthy of God's love than them? Do we think that we're more worthy of, of God's acceptance than another human being? Uh, and that's really what, the, what we're getting to here. That, see, the anger uh, will rise up in your heart and you'll start having an arrogant, disdain uh, attitude towards another human being. And Jesus said, that's not right. Well, that's on the inside. Can you see that? Can other people see that? Well, they can hear it. But could you hide it where only the Lord would know it? Sure you could. Is it, is, it, is it okay if you can hide it successfully? It's not okay if you can hide it successfully, right? Yeah. And so uh, this, this is where Jesus has started to transition that, look, it's not just about what we can measure on the outside. It's about what the Lord can see on the inside. Amen. It's not just about, well, did you kill him? No, well, then you're fine. Well, that, that's, not, that's not good enough for the Lord. Amen. How did you treat them? Uh, now, look, the Lord, didn't he call uh, the, the Pharisees whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones? Didn't he say that you are of your father, the devil? You know, he said those words. Didn't he throw, uh, uh, whip them with, with whips there in the temple, right? Turn over their tables for the money changers? He did a lot of things like that. But he never did it with disdain and contempt for the people. Amen. He died for God so loved who? The, world. the whole world, right? So he died for the whole world. He didn't die for just the good people. He died for the whole world. Amen. Even these terrible people that he flipped their tables over, he still died for them. And so he's just saying, be careful about your heart's attitude towards other human beings. Amen. And it's really easy, you know, especially uh, even as a pastor, you know, I deal with a lot of people who come in that door right there and just destitute in their life. You know, absolutely destitute. Got nothing. They're homeless. Uh, they've got no life. Uh, and, you know, I could fix anything. I could literally fix anything. But it takes, you know, I can't fix uh, unilaterally right it would have to be somebody else has to has to come and i can't tell you uh how many people come in here 
And they said, well, this is going on, this is going on. I said, well, you show up here Monday. I'll take you down. I'll pay for everything. I'll get it all fixed. And they don't even show up. Well, I move on. You know, I'm not mad at them. I don't have any disdain for them. I don't think, well, they're, they're not a good human being. You know, I make the offer, and that's, that's all I have to do, right? And then they have their part to play, right? Just like all of faith, we have our part. God has his part. But I'm not going to show any disdain. You know, I'm not helping you, you know. Now, if someone comes in and showing disrespect to the Lord, I got no problem, you know. I've had one fellow come in one time, and, and he was needing some help. And I said, well, where do you go to church? I said, well, he said, well, I go to church over there. I said, well, why aren't they helping you? He said, they can afford you. And I'm thinking, well, if they can't afford to help you, why are you going there, right? Now, I didn't say that, but I didn't, the thought did cross my mind, you know. Well, why are you there, right, if they can't help you? And so, so I'm talking with him right in the middle of it. He gets a phone call. You know, these things, these phones, right? They're everywhere, right? And so he takes it. And, and, you know, the other person said, what are you doing, nothing? What do you mean, nothing? I'm, I'm not nothing. I'm, you're talking to me, right? You don't say nothing. You say, I'm talking to the pastor of the church. That's what you should say. Nothing. You're not doing nothing. You're talking to another human being. You know, and so he's just talking the whole time. And just, you know, hey, how's it going? Well, you know, I'm thinking about maybe Friday, you know, going to get a cheeseburger or whatever. And, and so he got to, so I just left and went back to my office. And, and he stayed talking, to, I don't know, five or ten minutes, maybe longer than that. And, and he got up and left the church, you know. And I thought, well. And, and then uh, about a couple weeks later, he came back. He said, well, we never did finish our conversation. I said, because you took a phone call in the middle of talking to me. Uh, and, and, um, and he got a text message. So he starts texting while we're talking. He starts te- te- texting. And, and uh, I said, well, you know, that's really disrespectful to talk to me and to start texting like that. You know, and, you know, if it's your mother's dying, okay, fine. We'll let it slide, right? But, you're not, you know, you're talking about, you know, hamburgers or cheeseburgers or whatever, you know. Did you want fries with that? You know, maybe fries. Can you get some ketchup on the side or... You know, he said, well, you know, this is important. And, and my, well, then I'm sorry, I can't help you, you know. Uh, and I wasn't mad at him. And see, I've, I've decided in my heart, I refuse to have any disdain for people to come in. I can deal with it. You know, I told you about the lady came and uh, she needed help. And um, uh, she said she needs money for gas, right? Gas money to go for her cancer treatment. Well, you got to help somebody that needs money uh, for gas for her cancer treatment, I mean, right? If you're a kind person, that's what you do. I said, well, what kind of, what kind of, what kind of cancer you got? She said, I got stage four lung cancer. I said, stage four, wow. I mean, you know, usually stage four lung cancer, you know, you get the, you get the stage four lung cancer uh, from the doctor, right? He gives you, he, what's it called? The, the, the diagnosis of stage four lung cancer, and then you're dead, right? Because lung cancer, especially stage four lung cancer, you get it and you die, right? It's not like, weeks and months or even years of therapy it's it's days typically days right and she's walking around she's not coughing she's not wheezing she's not you know on oxygen she's you know and so no i can't help you and she said okay and she walked out you know walked out on her own wow you're amazing you got lung cancer you walk out to your own car i mean that's you know you should be in a wheelchair with oxygen you know and a tent and all these things and uh but see i can say that but there's see there's no disdain in my heart for them it just it is what it is, right? Uh, and so I'm not, I refuse as a pastor to get bitter towards people, to get angry towards people, because I have a lot of temptation to do it, right? Uh, you know, I, I remember, uh, and, and you know, I learned a lot of these things because I observed my pastor having some difficult time with this. Uh, you know, people would come to his church, and, they, and, and one, in fact, one lady prophesied to my pastor. She said, the Lord said, uh, and, and you know, the, in, the, in the Old Testament, Ezekiel says, you need to intercede for prophets who say, thus saith the Lord, when the Lord had not spoken. And she said, thus saith the Lord. If you don't give this church to my pastor, you're going to die. That's really tough, right? Now, I mean, that's, you think the Lord said that? I think there's a 0% chance the Lord said that, right? 0% chance. Yeah, and, and it's been such a shame that people, especially in the charismatic world, have used thus saith the Lord as a way to you cover the, for their own flesh. And to say things that are unkind or say things that are ungodly, right? Like that right there. Give, my, give your church to my pastor. Well, look, there's buildings everywhere. Go start his own church, right? Well, that's a lot of work. It'd be way easier if you just give it to me, right? Just give it the way it is, right? It's all the chairs are set up, the air conditioning's turned on, you know, and just walk in. Well, that's great, you know, except, uh, you know, that didn't happen. So a lot of the, lots of things like that happened. And he got to a point where he was so bitter that he said, uh, he, and he said this like every week for like a month. He said, everybody that walks in that door is going to stab me in the back. You remember those words, Mr. Jerry? He said that for a long time. Everybody that walks in the door. Well, that's, see, that's, that's this right here. That's being so angry that you've got disdain and contempt. For people who just, they got no, you know, just walk in and they're innocent people. They, got, they don't even know you yet enough to, to want to stab you in the back, right? Give them a few weeks and maybe they'll want to stab you in the back. But 
you know, when they walk in the door the first time. Yeah, and, 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 and it was rare, but I did go talk to him about that one. I said, and I said, Pastor, why, you, why do you say that? Because my Bible says in uh, the Amplified Version of, of 1 Corinthians 13, love thinks the best of everybody. Now, that's what the, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says. Love always thinks the best of everybody. If you don't know, what should you think? The best of everybody. Now, if they tell you, I'm going to stab you in the back, well, then you're not thinking bad thoughts about them. They told you they're going to stab you in the back. Okay, well, then you're, not, you're not having disdain for them. They're going to stab you in the back. Okay, well, then, uh, then I'm going to preach like this all the time to you, right? Never turn my back on you, right? When I did jail ministry for many years, I always preached, I always preached my back to the wall, right? I mean, I wasn't stupid, right? Because we were in the, in the maximum security part of the, of the prison. That's where they put the murderers and the rapists and, you know, the drug dealers, you know. So you preach, you know, you're smart, right? You don't have to be dumb about these things. But he got so bitter about life and, and being a pastor that everybody that walks in that door is going to stab me in the back. And I said, uh, I said, Pastor, you know, and, and I was just between me and him, right? I didn't call him out of the public, you know. But why do you say that, Pastor? He said, well, I don't know, you know, just, you know, because people stab me back. I said, well, it's still wrong. Uh, and, I, and I was, I was respectful to him. People may say, you shouldn't, you shouldn't rebuke your pastor. And well, I mean, he was, uh, I mean, if I said those things that was unbiblical, I would hope that some of you, I know Jerry would, you know, my wife would for sure too, you know, uh, I don't know if anybody else is, is brave enough to do it, you know, but you should be, you ought to be able to be brave enough to say, pastor, what you said is not kind. It's not true. Right. If I don't know, because the way I see it, everybody walks in the door, loves me, thinks I'm the best pastor in the whole world. Until you tell me otherwise. And I've had a few people tell me I'm the worst pastor in the world. Okay, you told me. Now we're on the same page, right? Before you told me that, I just assumed that you thought I was the best pastor in the whole world, right? Because that's what the love, th- love does, right? And so, so Jesus is talking about here that, you know, your attitude towards other human beings. Because uh, the way I see it is, look, if they're bad, Lord, you deal with it. I'm not your judge. I'm not your eternal judge. And a lot of people want to become other people's eternal judge. And I've heard people say, well, they should just die and go to hell. Wow, that's really, aren't you glad that you're not the Lord? You know, aren't you glad that I'm not the Lord? Because I'd have a list. If I was the Lord and I got to send people to hell or to heaven, there'd be a list every day. You right there, you're off the list. You right there, okay, you can slide for a little while, but if you keep on going, you're off the list, right? I mean, I'd be every day. I'd be, there'd be a list every day. And and I'm I'm not having no list. I just leave it alone. I am no man's judge. I say that all the time. I am no man's judge. Well, don't you think they should die and go to hell? Not my, not, that is not my call. Uh, and I refuse to let that be my call. Amen. But a lot of people want to take that call. And they'll show so, dis, so much disdain and contempt for human beings. Well, they just, who do they, you know, they smell bad, you know, whatever, you know. Uh, and it's just, I'm not doing it. Because Jesus said you're in danger, right? Now, he's talking about natural things, but, you know, there's got to be spiritual consequences. Of these things. What are these? We don't know really what the spiritual consequences are because he even goes on uh, and, and he talks about, uh, well, he goes on to, in, in the verse there, uh, to rock about being um, uh, the whole list of things, right? Being uh, list of brainless, idiot, silly, fool, empty-headed, you know, those types of things. And then he says, Whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Uh, and... One of the things, you know, and just to put this, this particular thing, see, people will take this verse because we love the law, right? We love to turn everything to a law. Well, you called me a fool, so you're, you're, you're doomed to eternal damnation. Just for that word, that fool, right? And, uh, and of course, that word there, uh, the fool there, means a wicked, reprobate, destitute of all spirituality. So you're telling me that you know my spiritual, my spiritual life. So, again, uh, whose position are you standing in? You're standing in a position of God, right? If, if you say you're, a, you have, you're destitute of all spirituality, do you really know that? Can you make that judgment call about somebody that they have, they have no spirituality at all? You know, does that mean you have to like what people do? No. Does that mean you, you, that uh, you're never allowed to call anybody on the carpet, so to speak? No, you say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. I've told lots of people, hey, what you're doing is wrong. But there's no, there's no contempt in my heart when I say that because right is right and wrong is wrong. Then I can say that, hey, what you're doing is wrong. But I'm, but I'm not like, hey, what you're doing is wrong, and you should die and burn in hell. Yeah, that's the kind of the, the, the attitude that they're saying right here, right? Uh, and so uh, now when it says they're in danger of hellfire, when Jesus said that uh, you're in danger of the judgment, you're in danger of the council, so he was talking about the local governing body of that city or town was the judgment. The council is the Sanhedrin, the, the Supreme Court of the nation of Israel. And this hellfire right here, uh, this word hellfire is the Greek word Gehenna. 
And if you go back and look it up, the Gehenna was, was never originally talking about the spiritual location of hell, where all the you know, bad people go for eternity, because that's a real place, right? Is hell real? Hell's real. People say, well, hell's not real. It was invented by the church. The church invented it. The Lord put it as a, place for, uh, as a prison for disobedient spirits. Uh, and so it's a real place, right? Do we, anybody want to go to hell? People say, I'd rather, I'd rather uh, 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 burn in hell than serve in heaven or something stupid like that, right? No, you won't. You get to hell, you change your mind real quick, right? You'd be like, uh, can I get a redo, right? I remember the rich, man, rich young ruler or the, uh, the rich man in Lazarus. In hell, he, he lifted up his eyes in torment. In torment, right? And he wanted Lazarus. You know, it's funny because, you know, not funny, it, it's, it's, it, to me it's interesting that all of his life he was a rich, he was a rich man. Lazarus was at his gates, never did anything to help Lazarus, right? He died and went to hell. And he said, Abraham, have Lazarus come and dip his finger in water and, and relieve me. He's still trying to put people under him. Still being a snob in, heaven, in hell, still being a snob. You go wait on me. But, well, you go get your own water, right? Uh, but anyway, that's, that's, uh, that's another discussion there. Uh, and so, uh, but this word Gehenna, if you go and look at the history of this particular word, there was an area uh, near Jerusalem where back in the Old Testament that all of these crazy uh, Jewish people would go in and they would start worshiping this other god, Moloch, and would offer their children in burning sacrifice to this god. Now, they were Israelites, right? They should have been a household, uh, members of the household of Israel serving Jehovah God, but they would, they would backslide. And, and you know, back, backsliding and going to serve another god's you know, bad enough, but then going to serve another god where you've got to sacrifice your child and a burning sacrifice, right? Not just kill him, but burn him alive to this God is terrible. And that happened outside uh, uh, near Jerusalem in that, in that part of, of Israel. Uh, and uh, it was called Gehenna. Uh, and so with these, with these hellfires burned, so, that, so then, that, then they started using it as a dump because that, it was basically considered a cursed area by, by the nation of Israel. Uh, and so it's a, it's a real place, right? It's, it's a natural place. It's also... It oftentimes is used as an allegory to talking about hell. But I think in this particular case, I think the translators mistranslated it because he's talking about the local uh, council there, right? Then the judgment of the Supreme Court. And then, so he's talking about two natural things. And, and he would have continued on with saying, you know, you got good, better, and, and best, right? Or bad, worser, and worse, right? Uh, as far as the types of judgment, they're all natural judgments. And that's where they would send people who were really bad out to Gehenna. Uh, and so... You know, I, I think that if you're saying this is, this is worthy of eternal damnation, I think that that's a mistranslation here for uh, the King James. And if you go back to the original language, I think it's just talking about that there's progressively worse judgment for, uh, for treating people this way. Amen. Uh, is this worthy of eternal damnation? Well, the only thing I've seen that's worthy of eternal damnation is not accepting the Lord Jesus. Amen. And you won't find any other sin in, the, in the, all of the, the New Testament that's, that says it's worthy to... Uh, suffer eternal damnation other than not accepting the Lord Jesus. Now, the point of it is here that Jesus is saying that you don't need to stand in the position of God. That it's not your job to say somebody is a, is a wicked reprobate, meaning they're unworthy or incapable of ever changing and that they are destitute of all spirituality. When, it gets, when somebody is that bad, you leave it in the hands of the Lord. Right? And say, well, Lord, if anybody can fix this person, you can fix this person. Amen. So, so the, whole, the whole point of, of uh, uh, really of verse 20, 21 and 22 is, what is your attitude when it comes to dealing with people? Do you allow yourself to get so angry with people that you start declaring what their eternal destiny will be? Well, you don't deserve to go to heaven. That is not my call. Amen? And people all the time saying, well, don't you think if they did that, they should go to hell? Not my call. Not my call. If they say that they, in their own hearts that they've confessed Jesus as Lord, I leave it at that. Well, they're not living that way. Not my business. Not, I'm, not, I'm no man's judge, right? If they, if they say, I will never accept Jesus, then, then I can say without any judgment, well, they're going to die and go to hell. I'm not judging them. They've, just, they've declared on their own mouth, right? But if they say, I've accepted Jesus, and even if they're living like the devil, that's not my call. Now, I may question it, like, are you sure? I mean, based on your, the fruit in your life, you know, I'd, wonder, I'd question that, right? But, but at the end of the day, if they say, no, I, I've accepted Jesus, then... I leave it at that, right? Because it, the Lord is the Lord going to work it out. He's going to work it out. Is He going? Anyone going to lie about it and sneak into heaven anyway? You know, I accepted Jesus. Did you really? Well, not really, you know. But 
uh, and, Je- and Jesus is going to go, oh, I thought you did. I'm sorry. You know, hey, he snuck in, you know, get him out of here. He's not gonna, nobody's going to sneak in, right? He's going to know. And so we leave the Lord's judgment with him. Amen. So, so the point for us is if, if you allow yourself to get so mad at people, so angry at people that you're willing to declare their eternal destiny, Jesus said that's serious. That's a serious infraction with him. Now, what's the ramifications for that? Well, he said Gehenna, right? But do we live in Jerusalem? Is he going to send us out to the fires outside of Jerusalem there? No, we don't live there, right? Do we have the Sanhedrin here in, in Dayton, Tennessee? Is there 72 people that are, that are... No, we don't have the Sanhedrin. Do we have a local council? Well, we do. We have a local judge, right, uh, here. Uh, but but the, uh, So these things can't apply. There's no Sanhedrin here. So obviously, does that mean that we're, we can get away with being angry? No, uh, we just know whatever, whatever ramifications of our sin, it gets progressively worse depending on how bad our attitude is towards other people. Amen? So it just pays to just leave that alone, right? Uh, uh, I leave people's judgment alone. Uh, I'm not anybody's judge. Uh, now, if they're doing something that's obviously wrong in the Word of God, I can say, well, yeah, the Word of God says this, you know, so what you're doing is wrong. Now, I can do that without any disdain in my heart. Amen? And that's the, that's the tricky part for the church is we seem to have such a hard time as saying, you know, what you're doing according to the word of God is wrong. And just leave it at that. Instead of going, and, and you know, you should never do, you know, and God will never use you. And God will, you know, God's going to, you're going you're gonna to die and go to hell. And we start, we start passing judgment that's above our pay grade. Amen. Uh, and so we've got to find that balance in the word of God where we can say, well, this is what the word of God says. And if you're not doing that, well, that's between you and the Lord. Amen. Now, there may be things that I can or can't do as a pastor, right? Depending on, you know, if somebody's in open sin, you know, well, I can't have him be the associate pastor, can I, right? Uh, oh, well, I know, it's okay, you know. Uh, I mean, there's some things you may have to do for that, but I still, I can do that without any disdain in my heart. Amen. I can do that without any, without any judgment in my heart because uh, the way I see it is, well, can they repent? I mean, are you breathing air? Then you have the opportunity to repent, don't you? So let's give you the opportunity to repent. Amen. Well, what if they don't want to repent? Well, that's between them and the Lord, you know. Then, then, then they'll be stuck in that cycle of sin and repent, sin and repent all the days of their life until the Lord, uh, until they choose to get out of it. Amen. So, so the, the point of these things, and, and, and there are some other scriptures about, about anger. Uh, you know, over in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, uh, be angry and sin not. You know, there is an anger that, uh, you know, we can be angry sometimes. Uh, and, you know, do, do we like everything that happens? Do we like it when people treat us poorly? You know, I mean, there, there can be angry. There can be anger in our hearts or anger in our lives. But what do we allow that anger to do? See, he said, be angry and sin not. So, you know, um, can you do that? Uh, and, and really, you know, righteous anger is one thing where you see, you know, somebody harming an innocent person. Well, that's righteous anger, right? That, that's, you know, he's not going to tell you not to be angry about that. But sometimes things just happen, right? And you don't like it. But Paul said, be angry and sin not. He said, let not, let not the sun go down on your wrath. There are things that you get angry about. And you've got to decide that uh, my spirit man is in charge. I refuse to allow my anger to cause me to lash out and cause harm to other people. Uh, and that's where, that's where the New Testament church needs to live. Is our, our emotions do not control our lives. We don't yield to our emotions. Amen. Our emotions are real. Uh, we don't like it when people do certain things to us. We don't like when people say certain things about us. Uh, and, and what you'll find is when, you, when, you, it, when and if you get to the point, because I, I, can, I believe it always can be when, when you get to the point where your emotions always answer to your spirit, man, what you'll find is your emotions are rarely that big of a problem anymore. So much of the church, their emotions completely run their life. Yeah. Anger and depression and sadness and, and, and you know, uh, whatever list of emotions that we have, right? Um, just bewilderment. I mean, just all kinds of emotions that we, that we go with, you know, feelings of insecurity, feelings of unworth. All those are just emotions. Uh, those are just things that you feel, right? Things that you sense, and they're real. But uh, Paul said, be angry and sin not. Uh, Jesus said, uh, don't be angry with your brother to the point that you start saying things you ought not be saying, doing things you ought not be doing. Uh, what you'll find is, when you get to that point in your life where your spirit man always is in charge of your emotions, then you can sense, you know, your emotions are rising up. And when they get to a certain point, you just look at them and go, no, we're not, we're not going past that. You know, you may not like it, 
but you're not going to allow it to go past that. A lot of times what will happen, people get emotions of, of say, depression, uh, and you know, it starts with maybe one thought. Somebody did something, right? The light turned red when it shouldn't have. The biscuits were burned or you're out of milk or, you know, whatever major event in your life occurs. Because a lot of times with things like depression, it's the small things that set you off, right? Just a little thing. Somebody, something little thing happens. You get a bill you didn't expect. And then you start, then it starts like a snowball. You start thinking about this and that and all, and they start building, Right. Uh, and bit like a fire burning, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're in your bed with the covers over you, the blinds are pulled, and you're there for three days, three months. Uh, and how did I get here? Well, it started with that one emotion. Uh, and, you, and you allowed that emotion, and there's no, there's no condemnation in it. This is just how it works, right? You allowed that emotion to continue to grow, just like that anger continued to grow, and then it, then it became in charge. And once it becomes in charge, then it dictates to you. You go pull yourself under the covers, you go pull the blinds, you go say things you ought not say, do things you ought not do, and see, you could have stopped that any time along the way. You could have looked at that emotion and said, I'm not doing that. Your spirit man could have said, I'm not doing that. Uh, and, and that's the way we can live. Jesus said we can live that way, right? Uh, he said, don't do this. He said, because there, he said, there are ramifications to your actions uh, and uh, the consequences to our actions, Amen. And we don't know, you know, there's no Sanhedrin here, so we don't know what that's going to look like. It's best not to find out, amen? I would encourage you, don't push the limit. Well, I'm going to go find out. Well, don't find out. If he said that we can live this way, then live this way. If, we, if he said you can live this way where your anger is controlling your life, then live that way. Uh, and, and if you're not living that way, you can just get up every day and say, Lord, I can live this way. You said for me to live this way, so I, that means I can. Even if I'm not, I can't. So I'm going, to, I'm going to train myself to get to that point, amen? Uh, and what you'll find is your emotions are just not a big problem anymore in your life. Uh, and you can get that place, right? I mean, uh, for me personally, I believe I'm at that place. I'm not 100% at that place all the time, but, you know, for the most part, I'm that way. I'm just, just my emotions don't run my life. I'm not sad all the time. I'm angry all the time. I'm not, you know, kicking the door all the time. You know, of course, we've never had any frying pans flying, uh, flying through our household. That, you know, we've had a wonderful marriage. You know, but, you know, if you're married, there's things you've got to deal with, right? Uh, and uh, I mean, my wife's got a lot more things to deal with than I've got to deal with because uh, she's got to deal with me, right? Uh, and so um, it's, uh, uh, you know, one good thing about marriage is you kind of have to deal with things, right? Uh, you know, I mean, if you live by yourself and eat peanut butter, you know, it's fine, right? And you get married, it's like, I can't eat peanut butter all the time? No, you can't eat peanut butter. Well, why not? Well, because it's just, you know, it's dumb, right? And so, uh, and so... You know, there's just things that you got to deal with, amen? So, uh, so the, you know, all of that to, to, you know, what I would encourage you to do is, like we said at the end of, of last week, is get that hope in your life that, Lord, even if you're not there, even if we're, your emotions are constantly running your life, because it's, it's not just anger, it's any emotion, right? Fear is an emotion, right? It's also driven by a spirit. But any emotion, you have the, the, the privilege and the right as a child of God to never allow that emotion to run your life. You have the right and privilege to let your spirit man always run your life in every situation. And when, you, when, when I sense that, that anger start to rise up and, and I, you know, if I let this go on, it would, it would get out of control. I just treat it like an unruly child. I say, no, you're not doing that. And, it'll just, it, and what you'll find is it will listen. It will obey. Your emotions are your, your part of your life, right? They belong to you. They don't belong to somebody else. And, and you can't really say, I couldn't help it. That's not an appropriate response to you allowing your emotions to get out of control. The correct response is, I allowed my emotions to get out of control. See, then that's something you can fix. If you say, I couldn't help it, see, then what you're trying to do is remove the guilt of something that you allowed happen. But you're the one who allowed it to happen, amen? And you think that's going to stand with the Lord when you say, I couldn't help it? Because he's going to say, well, go back to Matthew chapter 5. Read that verse. He'll make you open up a Bible, right, in heaven. Go get the Bible, right? A printed Bible. Are there any? I don't know. You know, is it going to be King James? I don't know. You know, whatever translation Jesus likes. You know, uh, and so. Uh, but uh, if you tell the Lord, you know, Lord, I couldn't help it. You think that's going to fly with Him? Because He's going to give you fifty verses, right? Then we read earlier. You know, let not your heart be troubled. Lord, I got so mad. Well, that's your heart being troubled. I just couldn't help it. Well, didn't I tell you? Let you know your heart be troubled. Yeah, Lord, I know, but nobody can live that way. Oh well, I was wrong. Sorry for saying that. Right? You think He's going to say that? Let me give you the Bible version two, your version of the Bible, right? It's just got a front cover and back cover because everything in between doesn't, doesn't help you, right? Uh, and so, 
But, you know, we should take this not as condemnation. These are not verses to condemn us. These are verses to encourage us, right? See, they encourage me. I don't have to live this way. Because, you know, I told you I used to get so angry. I don't, I don't have to live that way. Amen. And, and then he goes on in, uh, in uh, we'll just read these, uh, the next two verses here, verses 23 and 24. He said, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there, and, and there remembers that thy brother has aught or anything against you, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Uh, so again, you know, in, the, in this particular case where he said, uh, well, I think we need to read, uh, um, well, that's in verse 25. We'll, we'll cover that next week there. Um, but uh, if you're offering a gift at the altar, then, of course, do we have altars today? We don't offer gifts at the altar, right? So, again, this is, he's transitioning some things here, right? He's doing some transitions from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Uh, but if you're altering a gift at the altar, oftentimes, if you go back to the Old Testament, the reason why you offered gifts at the altar was to cover a sin that you've committed. Well, Lord, you know, I've committed a sin. Please accept this, this gift at the altar. Uh, well, why are you off- offering a gift at the, at the altar? Well, you've committed a sin against your brother. And so uh, what Jesus is saying here is a lot of times, you know, we have conflict with each other and we want to deal with it instead of with each other. We want to deal with us and God. Well, God, you know, forgive me for being so unkind to my brother. And Lord's like, well, you, you were unkind to him, not me. You know, you go deal with him. And that's what he's saying, right? So there are some times when the Lord wants you to deal with it with each other. Uh, and that's what he said. You go back to your brother, reconcile with him. Uh, and he didn't say who is right, who is wrong. But if, if, if you're the one uh, making an offering at the altar, offering a gift at the altar, then clearly you think you're the guilty one here. And so if you think you mistreated your brother, you can't just deal with, with the Lord. Sometimes you've got to go to your, back to your brother and say, you know what I did was wrong. And I ask you to forgive me. And you know what you'll find in the Word of God, there's never a requirement in the Word of God to apologize. It's only required in the Word of God to repent. You know, apologizing is oftentimes used as a, as a smokescreen to not have to repent. I'm sorry. Well, well, would you, well, did you do something wrong? No. Well, why are you saying you're sorry then, right? You know, see, we want to bring the world's way of doing things in the church. There's never, there's never a Bible verse anywhere that says, go and apologize, you know, to somebody. But there is plenty of verses, uh, 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 go and repent, right? In fact, if you commit a sin, you don't apologize to the Lord. You know, sometimes I do, but I always follow up with the Lord to ask you to forgive me, you know, and I repent for doing what I did, right, like we talked about this morning. So if you're, if you're offering something to the Lord, say, Lord, you know, forgive me for doing this wrong to my brother. The, the Lord says, you know, that's not good enough, right? Because, again, the Old Testament says you can get away with that. The Old Testament says if you do something wrong to your brother, go and offer a gift at the altar. And Jesus said, you know, new sheriff in town, we've got to start working together. Aren't we all adults? You know, my assumption until you tell me otherwise is that you're an adult. Sometimes people will tell me otherwise. I'm not an adult. I'm going to act like a child. Okay, fine. That's, that's fair game. You know, if you're going to act like a child, then, then, then I've got to treat you like a child, right? But between now and then, you know, if you did something wrong, I'm going to come say, if, if, well, if I've done something to you, I'm going to come and say, you know, what I did was wrong. Amen. And, and look, uh, I'm married. I've got three kids. You can ask my wife and all three of my kids. I have gone to all of them at different times and seasons and what I did was wrong. Amen. Uh, and, and so all of them, I've told all of them wrong because I've done wrong by all of them. Uh, and, I, and I've heard people preach from the pulpit. I never apologize to my children. I'm thinking, you know, that's really odd. If I did something wrong to my ch- child, it seemed like I should repent to my child because... Uh, what am I teaching them if I don't do that? I'm teaching them if you do wrong, you don't have to repent. Well, if you do wrong to the Lord, what should you do there? Well, I'm not repenting. So you repent to the Lord, but you won't repent to, to a person. But Jesus said if, you, if you're offering an, uh, uh, an offering to a gift to the, at the altar because you've done something wrong to your brother, go and get reconciled first with him. Right? Get restored back with your relationship with him as much as you can. Right? Because sometimes you're going to repent. I'm, I'm not forgiving you. That's not my problem. Right? Uh, but uh, fortunately, all my kids and my wife have, have forgiven me over the years. Amen. Uh, and, um, and you could take a poll, right, to, uh, of uh, my wife and kids and ask them if I've not repented to all of them for doing certain things all over the years. Amen. And what I have found, if you'll do that, if you'll have that attitude in your life, if I do wrong, I'm going to go reconcile with them first and then see it. Because he said, do that first. You go back before you come back and offer me this gift. Before you repent to me, you go back and make it right with them. What you'll find is you're motivated to minimize this. 
Amen. You're motivated to minimize how much you do wrong to other people. Uh, because if you got to go and say, I was wrong. You know, some people, those words have never been, have never crossed their lips. You know, people who, who have never done anything wrong. Well, just saying you've never done anything wrong is wrong. Amen. But uh, don't, we all know people, right? I've never done anything wrong. Is that right? Would you like a list? You know, I know somebody who was, remember, uh, and I know, I know my friend Jerry knows this. They were on their deathbed and a pastor went to go visit them. And said, is there anything that you need to repent of? And, you know, and they're telling me the story, and I'm thinking, wow, you know. And they said, no, nothing. And I'm thinking, I've got a list. I've known this person for years. Would you like a list? I've got a whole list of things you need to repent of that you've never repented. A lot of them to me. You've never repented to me about anything you've done wrong. And you've got a whole list of things wrong. And, they, and they're on your deathbed, and, and somebody comes and says, hey, have you done it? You, don't, you, you want to get all the air cleared right now? You want to repent? No, I'm, I'm good. You know, you think if you're dying, you're just worth a shot anyway, right? I mean, if you're dying, you're, and they went to their grave, you're never, never fixing the things, you know, and, and maybe they'd be here if they, if they said, yeah, I've got a list. How, long, how much time you got? Would you go call someone to have them come see me? You know, I never got that phone call. Not one time, amen? Uh, and so, so what is Jesus saying? He's saying, look, we're changing how things are going to be done. Don't just be coming to me and, and offer me some sacrifice. He said, if you're doing wrong by other people, you go and deal with that. Uh, and, and that's really hard sometimes, right? It's hard to admit that what you did was wrong. And, and but what you find is after a while, it's not really that hard. It wasn't that really hard, that hard for me to tell my kids and my wife what I've done was wrong uh, because uh, it motivates me to do it better next time, amen? But so many people, they're just so used to living their life but just doing whatever they want to do and never, never having any ramifications for that. Uh, they just, they're just really immature people all their life. Because they never will do the hard work of going and finding somebody. Hey, what I said to you the other day, it was inappropriate. It was wrong. It was unkind. I shouldn't have done it. What I did to you the other day, I shouldn't have done that. They'll, they'll, they'll hide their head in the sand, act like they've never done anything wrong. But you know, the Lord knows it. It's not like he doesn't know it. Amen? You can either deal with it now and get it over with or deal with it in front of 10 gazillion people in heaven, right? Uh, you know, you want to deal with it in public in heaven? I don't, you know, I mean, you know, I don't big deal. Well, you'll find it's a big deal when you get to heaven, right? Uh, and so, so Jesus, he's, he's really messing up a lot of things right here. He's changing the whole thing. He's changing to everything to, really, everything he's changing is moving towards a, 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 a uh, religious walk of, of legalism to a religious walk of walking in love. And see, when you walk in love and you're really doing somebody unkind, it's perfectly fine to go and say, hey, what I did was wrong. Amen? Uh, and, and that's really a good way to, to be, uh, and, and I have found it in my life that it motivates me to do things, uh, do these things less, right? If I know I've got to repent now, I'm going to think twice before I do that thing or say that thing, amen? Because yeah, I don't want to live that. I don't, want to, I don't want to live owing anybody anything, amen? If I have to owe repentance to somebody, I don't, want to, I don't want to live that way. There's a lot of debt that people have to pay that they haven't paid up yet, amen? Uh, and that's fine, Amen. Uh, and so, so Jesus, you know, and you know, the, these are Jewish people, you know, he's blowing their mind. Uh, and I'm so glad that, that Matthew wrote these things down for us because it'd be really hard to remember all these things he's changing because he's, we're just in the first part of chapter five. We still got to go the rest of chapter five, all of chapter six, all of chapter seven. There's a lot of things Jesus is changing. I'm glad he wrote these things down because, you know, that's the way we're supposed to live, not the way the, the Old Testament lived, who's looking for loopholes. Well, I didn't kill him. That's, you know, nowadays it's not good enough, right? Uh, now you've got to walk in love, amen? Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you that if you instructed us to live this way, we have the capacity, the ability, the strength of character, the spirit, Father, on the inside of us to give us the ability to live this way. And so we thank you, Lord, that we can do this. This is not hard. This is not uh, difficult to do in our spirits, Father. Our flesh may not like it and our, our mind might resist but our spirit men are, are fully able and capable of living this way. And so, Father, we thank you that we will treat human beings, Father, with kindness and love as you have treated us, Father. And even if we have to correct and say things are, that are wrong, we can do it without disdain and contempt in our hearts. And so we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Uh, the Lord is good. Amen. Uh, and so let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Remember, we, we mentioned the verse this morning about giving it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. You know, sometimes we like to quote that as we're the ones that are going to be receiving from other men. 
but you know, sometimes you're the one that the Lord's going to get to use to, hey, you go bless so-and-so. You be good to them, right? Uh, and so we thank the Lord for that. Amen. We thank the Lord for giving us the ability to, to earn an income. And, and uh, he's given us uh, intelligence and strength and the ability to earn an income to provide for our families. And so it's a small thing for us to give to him. Amen. And so Jared, come ahead and receive the offering. And so um, don't forget, uh, uh, of course, we had prayer Friday night, right? So prayer went good. And then we've got uh, Ladies Fellowship um, this coming Saturday at 11 a.m. And then um, all of our birthdays here that, that, uh, this month there. And so, uh, but uh, of course, Doris, you, you have like a, yours is all month long, right? You do a month long uh, birthday, right? So, uh, so every time you see... Doris in the month of October, wish her a happy birthday, right? Because it's her birthday every day, right? So uh, that's a pretty good setup, right? I don't know how you get that deal, but that's a pretty good deal, right? And so, <laughs> all right, praise God. But don't forget we have uh, healing school today at 3 o'clock, amen. And um, uh, my friend Jerry can help you, Jerry. 